What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. All right, it is Thursday. We're on a glide path to the weekend. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. But guess what? We're going to be here. So if you have a federal day off, a day off because of the federal holiday, well, guess what? You can still come see us. We will celebrate veterans tomorrow. I'm a veteran, so I get to celebrate me with you. So tune in tomorrow. We've got a great show ahead of you. I'll preview that a little bit later. But last night was the big night, uh, big debate night. But as usual, Trump counter-programming, big event in Hialeah, uh, which is a massive Hispanic uh, community in Florida. Now, it kind of was a troll, wasn't it? It was sort of, hey, we're going to be 15 miles away. We're in your backyard, Governor DeSantis, in the Hispanic population, showing a big degree of support. It was carried by you know the usual... Uh, right side broadcasting, et cetera. Um, I tuned in a lot of interest in this debate, as usual. Trump was timing, though. I was kind of trying to go back and forth between getting ready for the debate, and I was watching Trump's rally online. He um, he really was making sure that he kicked it off at 8 o'clock. And by the way, the CMAs were on last night on ABC, and I think that that probably ate in a little to the audience last night. I'm going to get into the rest of the debate early, but I do want to start with Donald Trump because he was the big winner again last night. He wasn't on stage and he proved why, because he had a big event in Hialeah. Um, the thing that was interesting about last night was two things in my mind. One, the nature of where he held it. A lot of Hispanic leaders there. Um, he talked about Cuba, talked about Venezuela, talked about the contrast, um, and really played that up. And that's not something you generally hear from Donald Trump. So I thought that was good. The second thing um, was that he actually, uh, towards the end of the speech, had a really interesting clip, uh, or excuse me, we'll play the clip. He had a very interesting segment where he talked about the long list, uh, a long list of things about how far that we've come in just three years-ish under Joe Biden. And it wasn't, it, it was a good reminder. It was Trump doing what Trump does best when he reminds us and focuses in on the change of policy and the consequences of the last election. Let me play it for you and, and get you to hear that. We are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is all you get. And they are the enemy of the people. They refuse to discuss the Biden crime family, but enjoy covering false indictments. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions of dollars it has taken from us to build a military to rival its own. And less than three years ago, we had Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea in check. They weren't going to do a thing against us. And everyone knows that that was the fact. Now Russia 
and China are holding summits to carve up the world. And perhaps most importantly, we are a nation that is no longer respected or listened to on the world stage. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. We are a nation that is hostile to liberty, to freedom and to faith. We are a nation whose economy is collapsing into a cesspool of ruin. All right. So as you heard, I mean, Trump making that contrast really clear, right? That this is how it was, how it used to be. So for all of the folks out there that are worried about mean tweets and comments, there's a big difference between where we were and where we are now. And I think it's a reminder of where we can go again. And that's, I think, actually, this is where I think Trump is best. And he needs to spend more time there is actually reminding people about the policy differences and the consequences of elections. And let go of some of the personal grievances. I get it. He has a right to be upset. But at the end of the day, this is what's going to win this thing. All right, so let me get back to the debate itself. Um, a couple takeaways. As I said, Iowa is the big winner. Why is Iowa the big winner? Iowa is the big winner because, because everything now comes down to Iowa. Pence already dropped out. Tim Scott and, and Ron DeSantis are all in in Iowa. And so is Nikki Haley to some degree. Ron DeSantis just got Kim Reynolds, a very popular governor endorsement there. Nikki Haley, I thought had a good night last night, but look, if they don't do well in Iowa, if they don't show that they are a formidable number two, a formidable alternative to Donald Trump, then it's over. It's over. Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee. I used to say up until New Hampshire, but here's the deal. The only one who's really gone all in in New Hampshire is Chris Christie. And Chris Christie is flailing and he's on a kamikaze mission. He can get eight, nine, 10%, maybe that's it. That's the top. But that's it. That's all that we're talking about here. This all comes down to Iowa. And make no mistake about it, if they don't come within striking distance of Donald Trump, I really think they almost need to win to beat him. But they're still divided. Haley and, and this new poll out this morning shows Haley and, and DeSantis both tied at 16, Trump at 43. They're not looking like a formidable alternative to Trump yet, and especially with both of them in, and neither is going to drop out. So that's what I'm saying here. If after Iowa, Neither one of them has shown that they are a viable alternative to Trump. It's over. Game over. Ramaswamy last night. So just to be clear, there's another debate. I want to throw a lot of information at you before we get into what how I break down the debate. We're going to air a segment of debate prep that I did with Mark Halperin and political operative Gail Gitcho on our thoughts. If you have thoughts, put them in the comments. Share them. I want to see what you have to say. I'll bring them up. I'll answer them online. I can bring them back up on the show. I want to know what you think about the debate. But the next debate has already been announced today. News Nation, November 6th in Tuscaloosa. Megan Kelly uh, and then Ileana Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon is going to do this along with Elizabeth Vargas from News Nation. I think this is going to be a great debate. I think there'll be three candidates on stage. I think it's going to be DeSantis, Haley, and Ramaswamy. I don't think Scott and, and Christy make the cut. This is going to be three folks really having a substantive debate. That being said, last night I thought it was unbelievably substantive. I learned things about these candidates. I heard them talk about TikTok, how big they want the Navy to be to counter China, both in the South China Sea and to counter Taiwan specifically. I liked it. It made for a more interesting substantive debate on key issues that I think matter. The southern border, funding for Ukraine, contingency funding for both Israel. I loved it. It actually, I found it engaging and insightful and, and we learned things. Ramaswamy last night though was back to being Vivek from the first debate. He was on a mission, wasn't he? He came out swinging right out of the gate. And I think he, he people probably liked the beginning. He came out, came after the RNC, came after Kristen Welker, told her that she was pushing Russian collusion information with the fake dossier and all that after the Russian collusion hoax, right? I think people were like, okay. But then when he went after Haley, 
And I know some people loved it. And just so I'm clear, I get it. But trust me when I tell you this, that like he, he jumped the shark on attacking her. He talked about her daughter, who's an adult daughter. This isn't like a 10-year-old that's on TikTok. Ramaswamy says, I'm on TikTok, but you're adult daughter. Uh, and then he started going after her wearing high heels. It just, I'm telling you, among people that matter, he's going to turn off enough. He might have strengthened the people who really like him. Yeah, they're already with him. But I'm telling you, let me play you a quick clip from this right here and show you what I'm talking about. All right. Well, that all being said, we've got a lot to break down on this debate. I want to bring in Mark Halpern, Gail Gitschow, and show you what we think happened last night. Welcome, everybody watching on any streaming platform where you're able to see us. Uh, Mark Halpern, Sean Spicer, Gail Gitschow. Folks, we're going to talk about last night and what it means. Uh, and we're going to take your questions. If you're watching here with us on Zoom, you can raise your hand, either your physical hand or better, your electronic hand. Let us know you'd like to join and ask a question using your own image and voice. No AI here. If you want to submit a question by text, you can do that too using the chat feature. And we'll take questions in both formats in just a little bit. But again, if you want to join us here on the Zoom, if you're watching live, you want to ask a question, just please raise your electronic hand and let us know what you want to ask about. Uh, Gail, I want to ask you, first of all, the most hackneyed question in all of post-debate analysis, who won? Donald Trump, without yeah. question. I don't think that anybody did themselves any favors. They didn't jump any uh, polling points for um, the, being the alternative to Trump. Uh, I think that, you know, Trump was not named very much except for at the beginning and the end. And there there weren't very many candidates that were willing to take on the argument of why them and not Trump. Yeah. Sean, Name a candidate and what their Wait, strategy was. Can I, can I was. answer the yeah. question? Can I answer the you question? Can, you can. You can. I, but I just want to know if you think anybody had a strategy too. Yeah, I think they had a strategy. But I think the winner last night was Iowa. And I'll tell you why. I think what, what last night came down to was proving that if you don't beat the only people that I think have a, have a fighting chance in Iowa are DeSantis and Haley. If neither of them does really well in Iowa, and, and I mean within less, definitely less than 10, if not even better, then the race is over. Uh, I, I used to say up and through New Hampshire, because Christy had a shot, I think last night, uh, Christy did, sounded very good, but I don't think he's going to grow out of that. My point is, everything now comes down to Iowa. If you don't win Iowa, it's over. Donald Trump becomes the de facto nominee. So did anyone have a strategy last night? I think Vivek tried to. Uh, he came in. I mean, you saw right out of the gate, I'm going to punch the moderator in the face, the RNC in the face, and then I'm going to hold my third punch to go after Nikki Haley. Um, I was chatting with Gail earlier this morning, and I just, uh, while, while we we're waiting for this to start, and I said, tell me if I'm wrong, but the mini focus group of people that I texted with, all women, found what Vivek, how Vivek handled himself to be very turnoffish. And I think the heels comment, the doctor's comment, and you can argue with the merits of it. I'm not here to say whether, I, I, in fact, I, I think his answer on TikTok was horrible. 
But the reality is, is that I think he turned off more people than he picked up. And he went back to debate one strategy, which is just punch people in the face. And I, I, I don't know why, but I, I thought I was every time I heard him go, I go, I go, I get that probably sound good in prep. Not so good. I'm not sure how it could sound good in prep, though. Like to me, that's a strategy like saying, you know, what my strategy for having fun today is I'm going to get in the car with a baseball bat and I'm going to drive down the street and I'm going to knock over the first 10 mailboxes I see. That's the kind of strategy he had. It was just yeah. it was just to, 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 to get attention, to get a thrill. And Gail knows this. When you're in prep, it's all your supporters. And the boss comes in and goes, hey, I got this idea. What if I come after Nikki? And I see it's like, oh, that's awesome, boss. Great idea. So prep is not the best place always to get but, honest but, feedback. But, but, but just stay with, but stay with him for a second because he's the only one. I yeah. mean, DeSantis had a bit of a strategy to try to act like a human being and to talk about real people, which I want to talk about in a second. But for, for, for Ramaswamy, who clearly you know went more back to what he was in the first debate, let's say he executed perfectly and he sort of did. He knocked over all 10 mailboxes. Mm-hmm. What's the theory of the case of how that brings you votes? Because as you said, and as I think all of our intuition is, that's not a vote getting strategy for a no, lot of and, voters. And so what's and, the what's the point? What was he trying to do? Look, yeah. Vivek is a sensationalist. He is going to say the thing that is going to get him the most applause by the people immediately in front of him or the people that are going to be in front of him in the next 10 minutes. That has been his strategy from day one. It is sensationalism. The difference between him and Donald Trump, because we see this from Trump sometimes, but Trump has the base to spin that. They have the base to support it. Vivek does not. And that's why it falls flat. But also, I thought it was interesting staying with Vivek, as, as you say, um, that Nikki Haley and uh, Ron DeSantis were both his top targets. And neither one of them punched back because they probably said in debate prep, we're not going to punch back. I'm not going to acknowledge that because why? He said four or 5%. So it would be punching down for me. And to Sean's point about prep, when we're doing debate prep with a candidate and the candidate walks in and says, guys, I got this great line. The people that are in that room has to be honest with them and say, I don't know if that's going to land the way that you think it's going to land. So maybe we try to say it this way or we you know, think it through. So either there's no prep like that that exists within that campaign or nobody told him to not say what he said. Or he, or he didn't he, care. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You don't attack a kid. Somebody's and, and, kid, no matter how old they are, it just, it wasn't going to land. I just don't know that he cares either. They could have told him. I'm not sure that's the smartest tactic. He seems to think that he really under has a has a better radar. But to mark your question, I think part of this has to do with the fact that he has always wanted to be seen as I'm basically Donald Trump. I mean, that's his message. I'm Donald Trump uh, without the the court cases. And so it's like, see, I can punch the moderator. I can talk about the establishment. I can go after these guys. I'll say what you think I should say. And uh, but I don't have the baggage that Trump has. That's the shtick. Yeah, right. but he it's also a, doesn't a, have the base to support it. Right. I, no, I, get it. Great, I agree with you. It's a great four percent shtick. I want to ask you about DeSantis. We'll talk in a second about the next debate, which you all have information on that I think most people watching don't know yet. But the next debate's in December. I don't know if there'll be a debate before Iowa. I assume there will be. Maybe there'll be one in Iowa. Hmm. But that's that's like 50 days away. How could it be that Ron DeSantis, who just got the endorsement of the governor of Iowa, and whose whole campaign now is based, as Sean, as you said, of coming within 10 or less of Trump in Iowa, how could he not have mentioned the endorsement 
how could he not have figured out a way to work Iowa in? Does that make any sense to you guys? I actually thought the only person that did a good job of mentioning Iowa was Tim Scott when he said on that question of Social Security for so many people in Iowa that work as farmers that don't have to yeah. have jobs like you and I, Chris. And that was the most relatable thing he said, because for so many people who are blue collar workers or farmers or people who work on their feet all day, sitting behind a desk is one thing to get to 65 or work an extra year. But there's a lot of people whose bodies have just had it by the time they get to that age. And I think he acknowledged, and that's the key. This goes back to why I said the big winner was Iowa last night. Tim Scott, at least in that one moment, acknowledged the fact that everything comes down to Iowa. But I was with you. I was like, dude, where is the, if I, everything, when they got asked the question about how many ships in the Navy, it should have gone back to defense industrial activity in Iowa. Anything that they could have made a connection to, the number of service members that come from the Midwest, whatever it was, ask me what I had for lunch. Well, when I was in Iowa. But they, they, I think that they missed an opportunity to connect to the only voters that matter right now, maybe New Hampshire for Chris Christie. But the reality was they blew all of them. And I agree with you, most importantly, DeSantis, an opportunity to tie back to the caucus goers of Iowa. You know, and if, I, it were, if it weren't, go ahead, Gil. Well, I was just going to say, I, it was definitely a missed opportunity. But what I assume happened is that his campaign said, we're in Florida. This is your state. This is where you can brag about all of your accomplishments and how you differ from Donald Trump. But that didn't really happen either. So the venue didn't much matter for him. It certainly didn't give him a boost. But for him to not talk about Kim Reynolds and Iowa and farmers and, and all of the issues that those caucus goers care about, that was a mistake. If he hadn't gotten the Reynolds endorsement, I think after last uh, after last night and Haley's performance, I think the, the voices in the party saying, everybody else get out, it's all about Haley would be louder. I think the Reynolds thing is the only thing that's still having people talk about this as a two-person race for second, right? That's the way most of the framing is now. It's a two-person okay. race for second. But what's it, DeSantis's claim to that at this point? It's, it's, he's, he's, his poll numbers are same as hers or a little bit better in some cases, but it's the Reynolds endorsement and yet nothing. Yeah. I wonder how she felt about that last night. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, I, I, I think that's a, that's a great question. I actually was very shocked I, I know that she's always been inclined to endorse DeSantis. I, I was actually shocked she came out and did it the way that she did. Not just that she did it, but she went on NBC and sort of took punches at Trump. And I'm like, I, I, I was, yeah, that's a whole nother story. But I was actually, and I agree with you, Mark. I cannot believe that he didn't lean more into this because that's it. If they don't do well in Iowa, and frankly, I've said this before, I, I think that DeSantis, the number of Florida legislators on at the state house that dis trump has i think it was five that he flipped this week he's peeling away at the at the political base that desantis has and he still has to be governor when this is done he's frankly embarrassing him um to get things done throughout the rest of his term and if he ever wants to have a political career after this run for the senate run for president again he's not doing a great job of maintaining any kind of political power yeah and he's and he's punching against a trump operation I mean, the press releases they put out yesterday, the tweets they put out were so personal. They were mm -hmm. so just scathingly personal about DeSantis. And he's just standing up on that stage talking about what he talked about. All right. Again, if you want to ask a question, raise your hand. We'll bring you into the conversation on camera if you'd like. Or you can submit questions in the Q&A and we'll get to them. I'd love for you two to talk about the next debate, just because, like I said, I think most people don't realize it's now scheduled for the first week of December. 
Gail, t- tell us what you know about what well, the RNC is saying. I thought it was announced this morning uh, that it's going to be December 6th in Tuscaloosa, and it's going to be hosted by three women. Megan Kelly from Sirius XM, Elizabeth Vargas from uh, News Nation, and Eliana Johnson from the Free Beacon. So I think that'll be really interesting. It's a it's a bit of a shakeup, but I think they were smart to announce it this morning. Sean, you and I have talked about this notion of kind of the, a, a format more like this, bringing in different conservative voices. What do you think of this lineup? I think it makes sense. I think it's going to assuage a lot of concerns. Last night, I tweeted this out. I thought Hugh Hewitt's questions were fantastic uh, because they made sense. They resonated with people on a variety of issues. Gail had brought up some some great, I mean, he, we know what he was going to talk about, generally speaking, but he really, I thought, took took folks, um, got folks to can answer. I, can I, I'm sorry, I got to push back on that. I, I respect you, and, and I think his interviews are excellent. But what's the point of asking for the exact number of ships? What is the oh, point I, of that? Because, I mean, so I'm sorry. I, it, I think that's a massive issue. How serious are we about combating the, the issues? The issue's massive, and asking about building up our 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 sea capability yeah. is is a great topic. But this fetish about the number is because is just the framing of it. I think I he guess. wants to. I think he wants to make sure that people know what a good number should be, or you know, catch yeah. Them. I, look, save I, it, I, save it for a column. I think. Look, that's here, why he asked about the nuclear triad look, on his show. You know, he, they but, want but, to know. But, did you but, did but, you study? But here's the point. I I think that that. Asking for specificity gets you to understand, are you a serious person or not? If you can just yeah. throw out the fact that we need more ships, why, you know, here's how big China's Navy is becoming. Here's how small ours is becoming. Here's the threat in the Indo-Pacific. I don't think that he needed 397 ships as a number. I thought actually Chris Christie hammered it home really well. He didn't give him a number, but he talked about the importance of the submarine fleet to combat and protect Taiwan. That's, as a, a, great discu- that's a great discussion. But, but my point, Mark, is that it's not it's not about assuaging every Republican voter. We haven't had a serious conversation about our capabilities, our military capabilities vis-a-vis China and protecting Taiwan yet. I thought, is that, did I want an entire debate about that? No. But the idea that one question went to make these guys think seriously about what it takes to protect America in this new emerging geopolitical world, then that was important. And I thought it did it, was that what I wanted to hear for an hour? No. But it made me understand, are you a serious candidate or not? Have you thought about our national security? Uh, and are you aware of what we have and what we don't have and what China has? So I I know we're getting off topic on that, but I actually thought that at least we had one question that made them seriously think. And I thought that his follow-up, it wasn't about the number. It was how you answered the question. And the idea of, of Going off on on a tangent about some random thing made me think to me, you don't understand what it takes to protect America. That's how I, I heard that. I agree I with you on the topic. Was asked, but but Hugh Hewitt's questions were tougher for yes. the candidates than I agree with that. Kristen Welker with that, and but... Lester Holtz. And I got to tell you, I was impressed the way that they held those candidates to the time and and the the audience to the applause and. And all yeah. that. I think that it was a very well-run debate. I, I want to ask you something about the way it was run, but first, I want to make yeah. a, a point about the 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 process. A bunch of them said they'd ban TikTok, and you can't just say you're going to ban TikTok. It's on it's on mil- tens of millions of phones. So I would have liked there to be some some accountability for that to not just sort of get the applause line. Yeah, I'll ban it. I think that's a flaw in the process. I want to ask you both about a rules change well, from last I just, night. I'm sorry. I, hold yeah. on. First of all, yeah. I I actually. I get your point. There's a follow up as to how or whatever. 
But I want to know, again, this gets back to, I'm so tired of, of us talking about the threat that China poses and politicians doing nothing about it. As a, someone who cares about this issue, I, I wanted, I liked the, 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 the way it brought out. Again, it's like the question that he was asking. It wasn't the number, it's how you answered it. And the idea that Vivek Ramaswamy can sit there and talk to us and lecture candidates about how serious China is as a problem, and then tell me that he's going to put TikTok on his phone that threatens the national security of our country, that spreads pervasive messages to the youth of our child. I, I'm sorry, I looked at that and said, boom, that's what I needed to know. So I, I get sometimes the question is more than just the question. It's how you answer it and how you bring in the bigger issue at stake. And I thought in both the Hugh question and in the TikTok question, I learned a lot. All right, I agree with you and mostly, but my point is though, there has to be ability to drill down more. Five, four people saying they'd ban TikTok, but no explanation of how. To me, as a as a someone trying to understand where they actually are, is is meaningless. We're going to bring in West to ask a question in a second. Again, if you have, if you want to come in, raise your hand. But I want to ask you guys about the rules change. Last night was the first debate where if your name was invoked in a negative way, you didn't have the automatic right to respond. Yeah, and so you had people just sitting there while Oppo, sometimes false Oppo, was thrown in their face. Do you guys like the change? Or do you think the moderator should have some discretion, at least, and, and exercise it more to bring people in to respond? I think they thought they couldn't control it because we've seen what's happened in previous yeah. debates where people Never said, oh, he, he brought up my name. I say, I yeah. get to respond. Um, so it was an interesting way, but you still got a chance to see when the candidates attacked each other with oppo, false or not. They would shake their head and say, that's not true. You saw their campaigns come out with um, responses to that. Now, it's certainly not as effective as being able to stand on the stage and attack back. But you only have five people on that stage. And the smaller the smaller field was good for most of them. So you had Nikki and uh, DeSantis going after each other, which is what we knew was going to happen. But they had these really small arguments. And it was it, the, the responses were really small. It's, you did this with your economic development. You did this with, you know, China in South Carolina. The arguments, either they weren't good or they didn't land. And so I don't think that having the res the um, ability to rebut the attack was very important because a lot of people just couldn't keep up with the oppo that they yeah. were dropping yeah. on stage. The campaigns should be dropping that oppo instead of having the candidate on the stage tried to use it as the tip of a spear. Yep. That's why we have totally ads. Agree. That's I agree. why we have, Look, they, I, I mean, that's I, called air cover. So uh, yeah. you, you put that oppo up, if you have enough money to be able to drop oppo on your opponent, you do it through an air war and not on a debate stage. So I don't think it much mattered. Cam it's the campaign's jobs to be able to to um, refute that. So, I, you know, it didn't, the, re the rebuttal part didn't bother me. I'll keep this quick. I thought that was the most substantive debate last night. I thought they yeah. answered questions the best. I thought that they did, they, they, to the extent that they needed to, you saw Nikki Haley say, you know what, I got to get back to that last question. I'm going to, they used yep. it, they, they used the rules to do it, but it was less chaotic and less of a food fight, more substantive. I enjoyed watching that more than the other two. Uh, and I can't believe I'm saying that from an NBC yep. debate. All right. Well, it Good. was more All substantive. Right. The yep. policy, uh, and let me just, I'll just add this quickly. The, the policy piece of it was great, and we hadn't seen that before in any of the other debates. We'd seen more yeah. of a personality debate than a policy debate, but I don't think that it matters. Yeah, we saw that Chris Christie and Tim Scott were very presidential when it came to policy, 
but um, they didn't do anything to distinguish themselves from Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I mean, that yeah. that's the part that was lacking. Five hours or two hours, five candidates. To me, the, the whole story of the campaigns right there. These five candidates had a chance, ample time to speak, and yeah. they weren't able to change the dynamic. Let's. We want to bring you all in. I want to see if Wes, who asked a question by the chat, would like to come in and ask by voice. Wes, would you like us to bring you in and let, let us hear from you? If so, please bring Wes in. Yeah, we can. Thanks for thanks for joining. Go ahead. Uh, I'll go first. I think uh, you know I, I'm north of ninety percent right now. Something has to change that's big. I think the confluence would be, as Sean alluded to earlier, you win Iowa either uh, numerically or, or symbolically by organize, 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 get hot at the end. If DeSantis or Haley can continue to organize, and she's not particularly well organized in Iowa, I could see the most likely scenario would be around Iowa, DeSantis surges, finishes within 10 points of Trump. Trump looks bad, makes mistakes, maybe some legal development that casts doubt about his electability. And then Haley finishes a strong second in New Hampshire, DeSantis a strong third. And then we'd have to see what would happen. I still think Trump would win. But that's that's to me about the only scenario. And that's not a very likely scenario. What do you guys yeah, think? I just I, I, I agree with you. I would just I, I think I've said my piece. It all comes down to Iowa. If if Trump wins Iowa decisively, the, the race is over. We have what if he what if he does it? If he doesn't, then we play on and, and we go to New Hampshire um, and Chris Christie has to prove. I mean, then then again, it comes down to who comes out of there. But it's a slow drip, drip, drip. I mean, I think this look, South Carolina is going to be decisive for the two South Carolinians. I don't think Tim Scott or Chris Christie makes the next debate stage based on the criteria um, that that is going to be for this next debate. Um, so, I mean, the question is, can Nikki or or or. Ron DeSantis do something. And that's the X factor. They have to win and you'd have to then replicate that with a strong showing in New Hampshire. Outside of that, people are going to, people are on the sidelines right now. The, there's a lot of donors and a lot of people that are saying, I don't necessarily like Trump, but I'm not going to give to another candidate because I still think he's going to end up the nominee. For those people to get off the sidelines, they need to see a glimmer of hope. And DeSantis or Haley needs to give them that glimmer and it probably once and then maybe a twice in New Hampshire. Right. I do want to say something really yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. After the after this debate, we've got the next debate, and then you you have Iowa in like seven weeks. So there's going to be tremendous pressure, I believe, in the next few weeks for candidates to start dropping out. There's a new survey out this morning from the Des Moines Register that says that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are each tied at 16. Um, then you've got Tim Scott at, I believe, eight or 10. And then you've got Vivek and Chris Christie splitting eight. So, I mean, if you, and Trump is at 43, that's the same place that he was the last time that they surveyed and they released it. So, you know, he's at his peak, I believe. I mean, he's at his ceiling in at, at 43. So if it was one-on-one, -on -one, you would have a far superior chance at taking him on in Iowa and actually winning. So if the field winnowed, which I don't think that it will, and if there was a scenario where Trump was in such legal trouble that it was going to peel away some of his voters that would 
then look at an alternative, then sure. But in all logical and likely scenarios, it's still going to be Trump. But I would like to see the field narrow a lot and give the alternative a chance because that's what the voters want. Okay. Let's bring in Rich Davis for a question. Rich. By, by the way, Rich, real quick, Scott Walker's on a plane. He couldn't be here, but he, he did he did nail that TikTok question. So kudos to, to Governor Walker. DeSantis Haley Ramaswamy. It's going to be interesting because you're going to have you're going to have the same number of moderators as you have candidates, probably. So everybody get everybody gets their own moderator. And uh yeah. <laughs> and man uh, man. you know, Trump Trump's team said last night as if we had any doubt that he would not be there. Um, if you've got questions you want to come on and ask, raise your hand. Otherwise, let's read some of the questions that people have submitted. Uh, Larry's asking about the ratings. We don't have them yet. We'll have them later today. My gut is they're not going to be very big, but um, we'll see. It you is know, on, was on a broadcast total, network. But. Total side note, and I'm being serious about this. ABC broadcast the CMAs last night, and, and that actually probably ate into a bit of the crowd. Trump, I was watching some of the online stuff when he started his his event in Hialeah, he really timed that to eight o'clock. Um, now, the bottom line is, uh, do I think that ate in? Yeah, I do. So it'll be interesting to, to see how these how the numbers went, especially on a broadcast channel like NBC. He didn't have a huge crowd, though. I mean, I looked at the I, I looked at the audience and it wasn't a huge crowd. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, neither one of them had great ratings. Sean, from a mechanical point of view, how could it be that in South Florida, Trump couldn't fill 5000 seats? How could they let that happen? Uh, I mean, look, it was interesting because I was watching some of the online broadcasting and they were talking about how people were coming from work. I mean, clearly the Trump campaign was trying to work some of the um, the, the influencers that were out there trying to say that it would have to do with the timing of the debate. Uh, and the, and but, if, but, if, but if the whole point of the event is a Trumpian show of force to say, I own Florida, I can counter program. How could they not figure out a way to get 5,000 people there? They should have they should have bought them dinner in Florida, in South Florida. Yeah. It just seems like it just, it just seems like a weird error to make. To leave I'm going to go out open. on a limb and say they're yeah. not going to do counter-programming on December 6th because of that. Oh, I don't know. I actually would argue that I would I would bet you he ends up in Alabama where he thinks he's very strong. Uh, I, 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 I think that to him, showing up, Alabama, he probably is much stronger than even in Florida. I think they took a little bit of a risk, Mark, going to Hialeah, where you were really hoping that the Hispanic community rallied behind you. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I don't know. And I, I I watched some of the coverage as we led up to the debate. So I don't know what the the numbers were. Um, but I, I think that the other thing is just I don't know that they're prepared to do things outside of key battleground states right now. Again, I, I'll beat the nail here. Beat the dead horse. The whole point of doing the counter-programming is to say, I'm the king of the world. You're in Florida. You can't fill uh, 5,000 seats. That just seems uh, like a rare kind of logistical, practical misstep by an operation that's, well, that's yeah, been pretty well An operation that knows how to build a crowd, an operation that has all of the texting and all of the crowd <laughs> yeah, building yeah. resources, and it didn't happen. So I think that that was, that was embarrassing. Um, here's a question. Uh, from Rich Melman, 
At a high level, this debate was watchable, which I found remarkable, even stunning. There were actually four humans on exhibit, 80% of the total, remarkable. Um, I wanna ask you about that in the context of DeSantis. I noticed, because it's one of the things I've talked to his team about on an ongoing basis, that in a lot of his answers, he brought up real people, right? He mm -hmm. told stories, but none of them are particularly indelible. You got you two probably can't recall any of the stories he told. Uh, but he I told remember the one about the Jamaican gosh. lady. Which one? The one about the Jamaican lady. The Jamaican lady. Life answer. However, and, and there's a little the little girl coming back from Israel. Oh yeah, yeah. But so you saw it. In why his, don't those stick? Well, I, I think that it's a, his strategy, like his message strategy is very clear. Like when they're in a room talking about what's our message strategy, somebody has told him, we need to make it about the people and not about yourself because Donald Trump makes it about himself and not the voters. So, I mean, that's just like a, it's a normal campaign strategy. I just don't think it's working for him because he was the question that he got asked. Everybody got asked right out of the gate. How, why you and not Donald Trump? And he started out with an opening statement and that it was, was going to be. No matter, and I can hear people in his campaign saying it, no matter what the question is, you're going to give an opening statement because uh, they're not going to, NBC has not allowed you to, within the format, provide a normal opening statement, but you're going to have a closing one. So no matter what the question is. That opening statement, Gail, was cribbed from Donald Trump. It was like, this is about you and I, it's, they're it's not, not about me. Yeah. yeah, I was like, dude, did you just- well, Why does why doesn't well, it work Well, it's cribbed from every candidate that has ever run ever. I mean, that's just- Why doesn't, a, why doesn't that message work for him? Because it's not authentic. Does he, does, Gail, Gail, let me ask you as an American citizen, does Ron DeSantis care about people like you? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sure he does. He seems like <laughs> he does. I'm, but, but I don't care about that. What I want to know is, are you going to- keep our children safe? Are you going to keep our borders secure? Are you going to keep uh, terrorists from coming into our country? And, you know, I'm, I am his target, his target demographic. So uh, as long as he cares about the things that I care about, great. I want to know. Right, he was strongest last night when he talked about what he had done in Florida and why I was like, that's you, that's you. Yeah. For strength. That's the thing about DeSantis. He has a great record as the governor. And I thought the more he, exactly what Gail is saying, I felt like when you are actually talking about how, you know, how you tackled an issue and succeeded, you're playing to your strengths. When you're trying to pretend that you met this, I mean, that, that's not right. But when he pontificates about some random person, I don't find it authentic. When I hear him talk about, I had this problem, I tackled it and I won, boom. I want to know that he is a badass that is going to have very big policies that is, that is aimed at keeping what keeping our country safe and the things that I care about intact. That's what I want to know. And that he could actually has a plan to follow through on it in that way. Sure. He cares about us. All right. All right. Thank you both. And thank you all for watching on whatever platform you watched. Uh, there'll be a replay of this. So you can come back on, the, on Sean's YouTube channel, share it with all your friends and family, maybe even some of your enemies who you want to make sure are more knowledgeable so you can fight with them. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you again on this platform before you know it. All right, folks, thanks for being with us. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Tomorrow, a lot to break down with you uh, in terms of the fallout of this debate, where we move forward. Riley Gaines will be with us tomorrow. If you've got questions, you know where to leave them. Please join my VIP community, seanspicershow.com slash VIP, seanspicershow.com slash VIP. Uh, if you're watching on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a five-star rating. Uh, 
You can always text me 571-441-4991. Tell me what you think. We'll bring up the subjects. We'll try to get the guests that you like. I appreciate you being with us. Continue to subscribe and share the content. It means the world to me. Thank you. We'll see you back out here to close out the week tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith.